Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, podcasters, podcasters. to your one-stop spot for all things fitness, food, and fighting. Team unearth the goods from the canvas inside the ring, and what it takes to be at your best in the kitchen. How to keep yours clean? Nutrition is key. Heavyweights in their respective fields know knowledge is power. Food for thought, adept at how to prep, how to get that goal, how to set that bar right, right. What's fit for the soul? It's seldom we think what is missing to accomplish the best way to living. Team on Earth, not remiss in their approach to their passions. Tune in to the podcast. It's lights, camera, action. Hey everyone, it's the guys from the Unearth Podcast back at you again after a very long vacation. I'm here with my homeboys Karim and Josh. Hello, hello. Uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about my forte, the fight game, and uh, where it's at, where it's going, and uh, some hints and tips and whatnots from different scenes and or other tips that are going to help you out on your journey in the fight game. And um, yeah, well, maybe Josh and Karim can tell you a little bit briefly about what they're going to talk about, and then we'll hop right into it. All right, easy. Um, so we're all going to cover a few different topics, but the main ones I'm going to be looking at is nutrition regarding uh, fighters and their lead into their fights, and then um, just a bit about pre-fight nutrition and what goes around with that side of it. Karim? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. So my uh, my my uh, earphones cut out there for about four seconds, so I missed it. Well, everything that you said, Josh, but uh, I sort of catch what you're getting at. Um, what am I going to be chatting about? Uh, recently, I uh, had the chance to MC a couple of uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu events, so I guess I'm going to be chatting about what the crossover's been like from you know being a uh, a chef over to uh, an MC ripping up the mic on stage. Um, uh, a couple of other topics I guess I'm going to talk about is, you know, maybe uh, what it's like the BJJ scene in the state from, you know, various people that I've spoken to, you know, throughout my time at the gym and, um, yeah, see how that's sort of going. Sweet. Beautiful. All right. So everyone sit down, pour yourself a glass of red wine and listen to this. Fine recording from three fine young men. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to kick you guys off with where I think the scene is like in South Australia, even though I'm not living in South Australia now. Um, I've views on being able to actually look into it from outside and um, not being in it. I also want to talk about the, the broader scene in Australia and then maybe some of what's going on here in the Northern Territory. So, look. I think the scene in, in South Australia especially is only is only going from strength to strength, um, and I'm sure the boys would agree. You know, with the meteoric rise of the DFC shows and the MMA game, Knees of Fury, mm. you know, being able to put on lots of titles and actually two new promotions coming out. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I think it's an extremely exciting time for the sport um, yeah. in South Australia. More opportunity for the fighters, so yeah, it's always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, one of the exciting things is the uh, Pride Fight Series. Carly uh, 
uh, from Boars and females fighting forward is doing next year. Um, I think it's really, really good. She's got a WMC sanctioning for that show. And I think that's the best thing for the sport in the state is to have uh, active WMC uh, sanctioned show for South Australia. Oh, look, and, and the history behind that, I, I guess for people listening that don't know much about why a WMC show is, is probably better than the others, for as long as I can remember, the WMC was the elite organisation um, where all the best of the best went. And if you had a belt in the WMC, you would really were on your way to making it. Mm. Um, now, it's probably similar to like how boxing is now. You know, you've got WBA, WBO, WBC, all these different brands. Um, and it's hard to really know who the real champions are. Mm. Or, or who are the elite of the elite? Because not necessarily always the truth, but I think some organisations are a little bit more flexible on how belts are put up and yeah, um, who gets to fight for belts and whatnot. And I think the WMC for forever has always been very rigid in the way they've they've done their belt system. Yeah, and that you actually had to fight your way up to it. Yeah, you couldn't just basically fill some criteria of having this many fights and. Hey, presto, you're all of a sudden fighting for a belt. Yep. Um, and look, and in saying that, that is probably another topic altogether. Um, and probably one I think is a big issue that South Australia and other states are facing in the future is the number of sanctioning bodies and the number of belts and who is the real champions in what, in each weight category. Yep. Because I don't know if it's really a true reflection of how how the sport actually is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously you have some awesome champions out there that don't hold WMC belts um, who are really, really good fighters. But, I mean, if you're looking at best of the best, you're looking at Rebellion Muay Thai, if you're winning, you know, WMC state or national title on a show like Rebellion, then you're pretty much top tier of the country. Oh, exactly, and that's and rebellion. Um, speaking of Australian fight scene, you know, in its entirety, is the number one promotion in the country by far. Yeah, absolutely. They are, they bring the best. Uh, they bring the best international fighters in to to fight the best local fighters. Uh, Australia has to offer. So where's um, where's rebellion usually held? Uh, that's at the St Kilda Town Hall in uh, Melbourne. So I think they run. I think this year they ran three shows, but they've got an uh, a daytime show called that uh, started last year called Roots. So it's um, an amateur show, if I'm correct, Tom. Yep, yep. So it's yeah. the leading amateur show, which is the feeder to Rebellion. So you got to kind of win in that to then get an invite to the night show. Is that how it works? Well, unless you're a some, unless you're uh, well accomplished or you're a somebody. Mm. You will not get to fight in rebellion. Mm. Um, Roots is probably for the guys, you know, under 10 fights who haven't really proven themselves yet. Mm. Um, and, look, it's, it's a great way to get um, amateurs excited about the hype and build up to fighting on a main rebellion card. Yeah. Um, which is probably something, you know, that, that other states and especially South Australia are lacking. Um, the big show is it. 
Yeah, yeah that's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And I know once upon a time, like when I started, like you'd start, the, the thing was you start earlier on the card, but you really had to win fights to get on the main card or get asked to come back to the shows. Mm. Um, you know, and we used to joke that we walked, we walked amongst giants because the guys that were headlining the cards were guns. You yeah, know? Andre the Giant. Literally. Yeah, Andre, Andre the Giant, um, Paul Sawinski. Yeah. You know, you had um, every now and then you get one of John Wayne Parr's fighters come over. Yeah, Charles um, August. Thor, Thor, Thor Hoopman, Charles August. Yeah. Um, people like, you know, Gary, didn't Gary Williams fight like Izzy Adesanya like twice? Yeah, twice? So, did, so did Steve Bean, so did yeah. Moses, you know, all the guys that are that have done really well for themselves in the game, like Lex and all that. You know, we all mm. got a chance to do that, but it was based on earning the right to be at that level. And there was no there was no such thing as, you know, you had three or four or five fights and you got an opportunity for a belt. Mm. We had to fight people and to get the chance to fight for a belt. And that was only when you were ranked, you know what I mean, you were ranked in the top three or whatever yeah and you do an eliminator fight to fight the number one guy who had the belt you know this and like i think the scene is is great and has lots of strengths now in south australia it's Mm. growing and there's lots of people interested and lots of i think some legitimate champions um but i would like to see more building up of of the sport by some merit-based Ascension. Yeah, and I think this is where the new shows are going to really come into play and help the scene for this as well because essentially, you know, like we've got Nisa Fury for Thai boxing. Um, you know, uh, what other shows do we got? Uh, Resurrection, you know, but they sometimes struggle to put on a card as well. So having these other shows, you know, keeping these fighters active um, throughout the year and not waiting every three months just to fight on knees is going to be a uh, really, really good um, indication of uh, where the sport's going and also, you know, the up-and-coming fighters, something for people to look forward to. Oh, definitely. And, like, don't don't forget to mention, you know, you've got Shinza Steel and Wild. Oh, yeah, of course. You've got, yeah. um, you've got Watertown. Watertown Show. Which, yeah, that's which, right. By all accounts, people come back from. I've never actually been to one come back from and say they were really well looked after. It was a great show. The quality of fights were good. And because you're just near the border of Victoria too, they get that opportunity for an interstate opponent. Mm. Well, um, um, they had guys come over from their last show. They had guys from Riddlers. Um, where else did guys come over from? Um, I think uh, Don Miller's guys were over there as well. Um, oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's good, you know, they're, they're getting good quality gyms over there. Oh, definitely. And, look, don't don't get me wrong. Like, I think I think the scene is very strong mm. and potentially the strongest it's been in quite a number of years. Mm. Um, and that's only going to get better, and that's a really positive thing for the future when you've got – it's only going to get better with the more shows, you know. Yeah. You've got your country shows. You've got Four Knees of Fury – You've seen the opening up of that Pride Fight series run from Carly, mm. which could eventually turn into, you know, not just a once-a-year thing, but maybe mm. a couple, two, three, four times. Yeah. You've got Resurrection of the Warrior. You've got um, this new show that I think a guy named Jeff, is it Jeff Dixon from Red yeah, Star? Yeah, Red, Red Star, yeah. Yeah, which is going to bring a bit more of the kickboxing element into the game. Mm. Um, 
But nonetheless, it's still going to be a good opportunity for another show. And, you know, the sport, if we treat it like a, a business, you know what I mean, and people put the effort in to keep it growing, um, it's only going to work out better in the future. Mm, absolutely. And essentially, like, you know, like Diamondback is a, is a is an awesome show. It's, it's fucking the way it's set up, the the scene. You know what I mean? It's really bringing fight sport into the limelight. Yeah. Oh, you should um, you should see the belts they've got for that now. I know a guy called James Rafel that made it, and I saw it firsthand. Man, we need to get some belts like those over in Nisa Fury. Oh yeah, the three D like metal rendering is amazing. Oh my god, yeah. You know, and that's um, Nisa Fury. Nisa Fury changed um, who they were affiliated with, and they've moved over to IKBF now. Mm. Um, and you know, I've got an IKBF belt. Um, do I think it's as good as WMC? My honest opinion, no. Do I think the opportunity for fighters to get more opportunities to fight for belts? Hell yes. You know, I think I think it's a great it's a great thing for the sport because it gives these guys something to strive for. Yeah, um, but again, I think I think it also needs to be very prevalent in people's eyes that that is not the pinnacle of your game, and that if you want to be considered serious tie boxer, you need to be aiming for you know WMC belts. Yeah, wherever yeah. you can get them, yeah. because that's yeah. when you're going to bring out the the best guys. Absolutely. And I, I was saying, I was talking to Sally Arby the other day about this. I was saying to her, that's why I think, I, I hope Carly's show really takes off because we need a WMC um, sanctioned show in South Australia. Like they, every other state has it, but South Australia at the moment. I mean, uh, yeah. I think Shins was WMC, but like we need a constant show a couple times a year um, in, in Adelaide. Uh, it's really important to have that sanctioning body here. And in saying, you know, in saying that the most important reason for it is that if they're, if it's a WMC fight and they got WMC belts and they're affiliated with WMC, then they get to go to the IFMA World World Championships, yep. right? Yep. Which I've been to three times, which was life changing experience, even though it was incredibly hard and challenging. Mm. Um, you know, it's going to take South Australian fighters. Away from going, oh, I get to go into state or whatever, onto the international scene. Yeah. I know, you know, I went to Thailand, Russia, Malaysia. Like, these are places, you know, like Russia and stuff, I would never, ever get to see. Mm. Um, and fight against, you know, you're talking about countries that have, they have the regional championships and they have the state championships and they have the national championships to qualify yeah. to come from the world championships, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's what I'd like to see for the future in, in South Australia is, like, okay, let's do – instead of just registering for the IFMA national team because you're an affiliated member, mm. having state championships, right? Yeah, well, I think New South Wales just had theirs um, recently. Um, and, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's massively important, man, you know? Probably maybe, yeah. maybe a daytime show would be good. A daytime family show yeah. so we can build the sport. Yeah. And people can, people can earn their way, you know, to, to these national teams. You know, I always regretted that when, when I was going through that we didn't have the opportunities to fight, you know, at those sort of tournament-style fights, right? Because you're used to fighting, you're used to fighting the day after you weigh in mm. and you only fight once, right? 
the hard thing is fighting, weighing in the day of your fight and then potentially not fighting, you know, the next day, but having to weigh in every single day to manage your weight and then to try and back it up mm. a few fights in a week. Yep. So, and, um, so what do you guys say, a daytime fight? Why is that better? I think it'd be, it, uh, it's better for exposure to, to be able to promote the sport as a, a family-friendly sport. You know, um, co- you know, combat sports needs to, you know, make the switch over to the like, – it is making the switch over to the mainstream, but, you know, people need to know that it, Muay Thai is for everyone, you know. It's not, for, it's not a thuggery sport or anything like that. It's a family-friendly sport that, that everyone can enjoy. And that it goes, yeah. it goes far beyond spectating and pissing up, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone sees the Friday night fights or Saturday night fights. It's a good opportunity to go out with their mates, get blown, whatever, mm. you know. And it, I, I'm not saying they don't appreciate it, but I'm saying that um, it takes away the beauty and authenticity of the sport almost, right? Mm. So it's like, okay, well, these are athletes. We should be there to support them. We can all get excited about big knockouts and everything like that. But for this to grow outside of its stigma, it needs to open up to a bigger audience. And yep. that's and by doing that, you get general uh, population acceptance, right, in, mm. in communities. And then eventually when they, they keep pleading their case for becoming an Olympic sport and whatever, yeah. it's going to allow this to become on the world stage, right? Then you're talking about Thai boxing um, or any other martial art, mind you, being... Accepted at the Olympics on a national, like a world scale, mm. and you know, also I think having a daytime sport and attracting people who generally wouldn't go to um, combat sports events, you know, it, it, it has a better effect. It will have a better effect for the gyms in Adelaide as well. You know, for more participation levels uh, coming up. Yeah, well, I think it'd be good even if main events were you know seven eight pm and it started at midday or something like that. Well, that's what they do with the Roots show. I mean, like with the Roots show, they started around about lunchtime, I think. And then they usually have um, some pretty handy fights on their, in their main event. And then they lead into their evening show on Rebellion. Yeah. Which oh, yeah. Is a gr- yeah. It's just, yeah, midnight main event starts to get pretty late, especially if people just wanting to go see a mm. few fights on the main event. Oh, look, and it, it, it'll help remove if, you know, I always said that if you get martial arts or fighting, fight sport to become like playing footy on the weekend, all right? Mm. And, you know, it's something you, if you're done properly, you could back up regularly. Yeah. Then we'd have a better level of a um, competitor come out, come out, would have, those people would go on to do greater things in the sport, but then essentially it would remove a lot of the, um, you know, dramas that come with it, like people building up over six weeks. It's like you've got to, go through your fitness and then your fight and then your fitness goes in the next week, you know. Mm-hmm. If you if you can back it up and people remove the fear from it, um, then it's going to, you know, to get commercialised. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to build resilient people. More people are going to want to do it. More kids are going to look into doing it. And, we'll, you know, it'll solve a whole bunch of other issues in the world as well. But, you know, I, that's what I think the future should look like. Mm. Um, especially in South Australia, mate, but there's, there's, there's markets like the market I'm in now in the Northern Territory, there is no, other than in Darwin, mm. there is no fight culture, you know, 
in Alice Springs. Yeah, just, you know, just, in the oh, pubs. Yeah, just, just down the creek on the Saturday night. Yeah. Or any other night, mind you. But, <laughs> you know, this is that this is the thing I'm excited about, you know, and, and I am still would love to open a gym here and we're doing a bit of training now, is to go, okay, well, these communities, there's lots of people here that like to fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost in, ingrained in um, these tough, tough cultures, right, where you live in tough living conditions that people... You know, people fight and that, that's their outlet. Yeah. So the future here is like this, there is no market. So the goal is to create one, you know, and. Oh, yeah, I agree. If you give people that platform, you're probably going to take it out of the pubs and streets. Exactly, a bit as well. because I, I think, you know, the feedback you get from, from most people that live in regional towns is the boredom. Yeah, it's nothing to do. Well, they say there's nothing to do. I quite like being old and plodding around my block now. It gives yeah. me an excuse to be fat. But <laughs> Do you walk yeah, with I your do. hands behind your back? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, look at my beautiful tomatoes, mate. Hey, they grow so much. I actually phoned in at least three complaints to council a week too. Just fucking people making noise and stuff like that. Oh, really? You're like a yeah. scuff on your curb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like that, and that's like, that's that's what I'm saying, boys. The the exciting thing um, here in the territory is it's there's tough people, it's tough climate. It makes sense for a fight a fight economy to start here, and mm. that's something that you know definitely I'm I'm looking at building up in the future. You know, when I got time to scratch my ass, pretty much. But <laughs> I see the opportunities, and this is the, this is Australia in general. You know, like it's we've only scratched the surface of what where fight sports can go. Yeah. And and look at how many Aussies and Kiwis and everything are in the UFC and all of these big promotions now. Like it's it's poised to grow. It's poised for, you know, explosive growth. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the next topic. Mm. Josh, would that be you? Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about that. So um yeah, the um, I guess the main thing with leading into a fight is um, obviously winning the fight, but also making sure you make weight the night before, as we're saying with knees a few, the weigh-ins at the pier. Um, I've always said from the start, I'm pretty big on any more than two kilos of water weight to be dropped the day before is going to be in a big effect on the fight. So um, my goal is to always get people within one or two kilos, and then they can play with a little bit of water, do the weigh-in, refuel, recharge, and then have the fight, and then make sure they keep their endurance. I know, Tom, I think it was in Russia, was it 11 yeah, kilos? Yeah, but that, uh, if you ask Lex, he just said I was eating about all the Kit Kats on the plane for three days. <laughs> but if you ask me, it's, um, when you're at high altitude, you know, what happens is your body just swells up with water, and, um, you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In a in a pressurized yeah. cabin, is that what we're still talking about? Yeah. So pretty much, I was trying to get rid of the water, but the water wasn't trying to get rid of me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that wasn't obviously planned. But you said you noticed, like you know, you were lethargic. AF. Oh, when I dropped 11 kilos, yeah, that was um, that was probably yeah the worst time of my life. Mm. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's the one thing. Like when I'm preparing someone, I guess, for like a physique or mm. any bodybuilding type event, I'm not interested in their endurance. Their stamina is completely irrelevant. As long as they don't cramp up, yeah. we want them just to look their best. So then when you flip it on the other side and we've got the fight camp, it's a totally different spectrum. I don't care how they look. I care how they feel and perform. So, um, And from my experience, when I deal with a fighter, they're just you know straight down the line. I could be like, eat a raw lemon on the roof of your house every night before you go to bed. And I'll be like, you haven't <laughs> eaten my lemons, bro. Like they're just... They're just yeah. straight down the line. Whereas I'll get like, um, you know, sometimes I'll have a physique competitor or something like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I just, I didn't really feel like training on Tuesday. And like, it just doesn't happen with a fighter. A fighter yeah. is just so down the line. And they're, they're real easy to work with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's always, um, it's always a good thing. But, yeah, I reckon about, yeah, one yep. or two kilos of water weight. Um, I guess yeah. if we go a bit more in depth for that, the process starts to be with um, saunas and baths bath you kind of have your hot bath wrap yourself yeah. in a towel weigh yourself see how you're going and just repeat that process saunas are done in yep. small increments five to ten minutes and then um you know just keep processing through there um as far as the refueling it's focused on electrolytes and things like that all the um nutrients that you're basically going to sweat out you just want to repopulate in the body so um different hydrolytes and things like that and different um energy drinks is probably one of the main things and then it's just a combination of simple and complex carbs, getting a good fat source in and some easy yep. digesting proteins. Um, still staying away from things like trans fats and stuff the night before. And then it's just easy to digest. Nothing that's going to bloat them or sit in their belly in the fight day leading up to the fight. And yeah, it's pretty basic on the fight day. Nothing's too crazy. It's mainly just refueling them the night, the night after the so work. So um, when, when you were fighting Tom... Was it the back end of your career or sort of like at the start, what was your um, sort of plan in regards to nutrition? Did you just do what your coaches told you at at the start of things and then moved into a, you know, started working with Josh and stuff like that? Oh, look, Josh, Josh really only um, came on board to help me out with that very last fight that fell through. um, Oh, yeah. Which which was against Jason Altman for the third, uh, third battle in our trilogy. Yeah. To defend uh, my WMC state title that I took off him. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'd never been as ripped in my life, you know, and felt so much energy. And that was really just Josh having the knowledge of, you know, that I never had yeah. with, like, timing your carbs and um, eating at the right time and make sure you're getting the right nutrients because – people get caught up in this calorie counting thing where it's like, well, you need this many calories today to support your body. But it's so much deeper than that when you're a high intensity athlete, you know, um, early on in the piece, it was, it was literally like bro science. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you know, like my trainers at the time, uh, would tell me certain things and I would do it religiously and, it was like I would not lose weight or I'd fucking balloon out or or whatever. Mm. And um and then, you know, I'd read stuff on the internet and try that and same deal. I was always generally liked a bit of a binge eat, you know, I get weird fucking cravings and eat pickled onions and random shit and but like <laughs> essentially it's like it's just it was just a whole bunch of bro science and stuff I read on the internet. Yeah. And then really savage water cuts because, like, I wouldn't get within that 
um, the right weight range to start off with. So I would generally, I would generally pretty much say that I was always losing around ten kilos in that last couple of weeks, a week or two. Crazy. And yeah, it was always probably between hopefully, if I was lucky, like two or three kilos in water mm. um, on the day. Sometimes as bad as five or six. Yeah. Um, which never felt real good. <laughs> no, understandably. No. <laughs> you know, like that, I'm sure any fighter would tell you that, you know, and some of them will wins about having to cut a kilo of water. It's like try having to fucking do six and sitting there for four or five hours. And, you know, that was before me and Lex found out about the ice trick from some jockeys where you've got to cool your brain down. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what's happening when you're in a sauna is your brain's cooking. Yep. Um, which we didn't actually figure out till probably, I don't know, maybe at least 10 or so fights in. Yeah, yeah. When it was, so, when it was too late. Yeah, pretty much the damage was already done. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coming out of the sauna and you're like, oh. What yeah, well, on, on that as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that as well, that's where the combination of the bar can come in because your head's not yeah. submerged. So that sometimes helps a little bit as well. Yeah, and then, you know, but then I'd had bad experience with bars as well, you know, like, yeah, because you don't really, you're not really thinking, look, I've filled up a bath once when we're in Russia after I've been cutting for hours, you know, and I jumped in and the bath was like, I must have run out of hot water at the hotel or something. It was like semi-cool. Yeah. And my paws sucked in half a kilo. (laughs) So when I jumped in, I was like, fuck, this is cold. Like, this is cold. I got out and jumped on the scales and I put on half a kilo straight away and I cried. You know? <laughs> because I've, <laughs> cause I've been cutting for so long. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I, it, it, the nutrition thing, mate, is, is hard. And I'm sure there's a lot of information out and there's so much choice that it's hard to go, like, to know what you should be eating when you should be eating it. Mm. Um, but I know with, with Josh, like the big ones for me were making sure I could train properly. Like I didn't give a fuck if I didn't have any energy for the rest of the day, but an hour and a half before every training session, it would be like some simple and complex carbs. Right? And like for me, I like the peanut butter and jelly toast, you know, and I was get that good, simple sugars in, you know, some whatever. And I would train like a demon. And then my big meal was after my my training session. Yep. And then throughout the day, you know what I mean? I think we were going almost like a high fat sort of diet, weren't we, Josh? Yeah, yeah. I think um, we might have even done some intermittent fasting when yeah. you're training later in the day. It just depended yeah. on when you were training. But look, I think to, yeah, definitely to to make sure you got longevity in the game for anyone doing fighting now, you just need to make sure. That's probably the most important stuff, eh? Like, yeah. Fighting, fighting at a beginner level is, needs to be very basic um, in in tactics and strategy and skill. Um, fighting, like, but the, if you get your body right, then you're going to feel feel good when you get in there at any stage, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, like, as for nutrition and stuff like that, you ask anyone, they know I was a, I was a fat cunt and I probably wasn't as good as I should have been. Mm. Um, but when I did get it right, like, wow, you notice the difference. 100%. Yeah, well, 
it doesn't matter if you um you don't have the endurance if you do a big cut if you knock them out in the first round. So that which that's used to always, always goal be too. the goal because I don't want to. I'm not fit enough. I was never fit enough <laughs> to see out round four and five. So, oh no, no, that's not correct. I'll be good in round one and two. Round three and four were dangerous territory, and round five I could always rally a bit, but I never liked to get to round three. Yeah. <laughs> or you could be like Lex and just you know get better the more you get hit in the face. Yeah, well, he he is what what you would call an enigma. <laughs> um, we used to call him, and I hope he's listening to this because we used to call him the cockroach because if a fucking nuclear bomb went off, you wouldn't be able to kill him. Yeah. He'd still be around. <laughs> oh. I've seen that man. I've seen that man do some terrible things. Oh, uh, yeah, in his life and. None that I can repeat um, on this form. <laughs> but let's just say the man cannot be killed yeah, and we'll leave it there. That's it. In his own words, that's killer, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, funny story about Lex, right? Um, when we were in Russia, he was he was like in peak physical condition, right? Like just, which happens when you're ectomorph, skinny fuck. And he needed to lose like a kilo or half a kilo or something, right? So he, he went into the stairwell and he did 50 wall pushes, like a push-up on the wall. Yeah. Jogged up and down the stairs and then come back in and he was on weight. <laughs> and I and I swore at him and said probably some real nasty shit to him because I'd just fucking look at food and I would get fat. But he would, <laughs> he'd come in with these massive breakfasts, like bowl of porridge, eggs and bacon, all this shit. And then he was actually so diced, you could see the veins just come out on his chest when the food was digesting. So he'd have veins going all over his stomach and his chest and just because the food was getting absorbed that quick. Crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. And now he's addicted to KFC. <laughs> KFC has ruined many a person's he's, life. Yeah. Met him. He's, he's still um, dialed yeah, in. Many a fight of life has been uh, ruined by the Colonel. Oh, that trans that career, the career killing Colonel. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys, yawny. I'm uh, actually lying in bed while I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in, in uh, or on? Wearing that black black lacy thing, you like? <laughs> I can imagine you actually tucked yourself in, and it's like you've got some hell no, pajamas I, I, I on, do. Uh, and a little nightcap with a little bobo on the unicorn end. blanket on. One, wow. one of the kids' unicorn blankets. <laughs> <laughs> Same saying that for anyone. You are so alpha. If they got any questions about nutrition and stuff like that, hit us up, and we can talk about it a little bit more. Um, or Josh can talk about it a bit more because. Karim knows how to cook the food. I know how to eat it, and Josh knows why we eat it. That's so, right. So now to Karimzi. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said earlier on, uh, I had the um, opportunity to MC on uh, the uh, Australian Grappling Championships uh, twice now. So on their invitational. So they hold uh, – now, the promoter of this show, his name's Troy Guyette. He is a uh, purple belt down at our gym. Purple or brown? I'm not sure yet. Um, but he, you know, saw a gap in the market in South Australia, not enough BJJ shows. So 
he runs these invitationals where he invites uh, top grapplers from around the country to compete in two divisions, over 77 and under 77 kilo um, knockout tournament for the belt. And uh, he's had some really good success with that. Um, he's gotten some really good guys over from uh, all around Australia and also uh, top-tier local um, grapplers to compete. And um, now he's actually gone uh, into Sydney and Melbourne. So he's got uh, invitational events over there as well where people can fight. I think if they win the absolute divisions at those events, they get the invitation to come to the Invitational at the Akbar in South Australia. Cool. So that was a bit of an overview for a while, what, what, what the show's like. Um, and look, I think it's probably a bit of um, pre, pretext to that is that um, why it's actually pretty cool what he's done is because the jiu-jitsu market is very secular. Yeah, Absolutely. And some people may call them strange, and I'm sure we've probably all used that word once or twice. Mm. No offence to any of you um, no. pajama wearers out there. Mm. Um, but in saying that, he's broken through a lot of the barriers that have been put up by clubs thinking that they don't really want to open their doors to other people. Yeah. Um, and, like, I just think that's pretty pretty awesome. And I think all clubs get a bit funny like that. Yeah. You know, and it's only through, like, opening the doors and sharing that we all grow and learn. Absolutely, man. Um, you know, he uh, had a lot of... So, Troy uh, recently joined our gym. Oh, God. When was it, Josh? When did Troy come over to us? Start of this year? Uh... Or maybe late last year? Yeah, yeah I'd say around about a year. Ago, um he was looking for a new BJJ club and he come. He, he only lives across the road from us. And he's like, I couldn't believe why I didn't come here earlier. So he, um, he asked me to be the fight commentator MC at this event. And to be honest, I'd done nothing of the sort before, apart from talking shit to my mates um, <laughs> and, you know, just razzing people in general. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's that's half the gig, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. So, um, yeah, I said, yeah, why not? I'll jump on a stage, give me a microphone, and uh, I'll... Uh, yeah, you jumped off it as well, didn't that. you? Um, I'd say he <laughs> fell off of that. So, yeah, I, I, I said, um, why not? Anyways, <laughs> the I think it was the week before um, the show, Troy's like, oh, yeah, send you all the fighter um, bios and intros and all that. Um I was like, yeah, no worries. I'll look at him. Come uh, fight night. He's like, did you did you read through everything? Yep, I read through everything. I didn't read through anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I opened the email. I was like, yeah, no worries. Uh, looked at it for about two minutes. I was like, yeah, I've got it. No dramas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got, and uh, you know, obviously nerves kicking in. Um, first time, you know, there's a few hundred people there, you know. They all come to see something spectacular, so I had to put on a show. So I decided I'd down about, you know, four or five beers before the show because Troy, you know, <laughs> na naughty, naughty. Uh, for those who don't know me, I do enjoy uh, the odd beer. And uh, he said, oh, you've got an open bar tab for yourself, bro. And I was like, 
you're kidding, right? He's like, nah, man. And I was just like, that's either going to be an awesome move or a bad move. We'll find out. Where's my beer? So anyways, I'm just going beers before this thing because I'm real nervous. And I get on there and I'm just, you know, he said, he said, just be yourself, man. It's okay. You could, you know, you could swear and stuff like that. I was like, okay, no worries. I will be myself then. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'm swearing like a bloody fucking dirty pirate. And uh, I did, I, it was, it was hard, man. Cause like, I didn't know what to expect from the crowd and it was hard one to break. I was, there was one stage in the show where like I, I was sort of getting over to people, but not all the way. So I was like, stuff it. I've got to go for it. I'm going to uh, tell a joke. And the joke went like this. What's the best thing about having sex with a transsexual? If you reach around the front, it feels like you're going all the way through. <laughs> and some people, and some people went, Ooh. some people had a giggle to themselves. But I distinctly remember this one fella in the front row just go, <laughs> a real gutsy laugh, you know. And I was thinking in my head, he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> What, that he's probably had sex with a few transsexuals before. Maybe. It was the kind of laugh that, you know, you, you know someone only has through experience. You know? <laughs> who knows? I don't yeah. know who that fellow was, you know. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was all good. But um, later on in the night, I, I uh, didn't notice that there was a gap in the stage between the stage and the um, grappling platform. And... I'm like, I'm oh, probably over half a carton, carton deep by now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dead set. I'm feeling good, you know, and I'm getting, I'm trying to get into these matches, you know, trying to razz people up, you know, get them going. And anyways, oh, something happens uh, in one of these matches and it was it, like, this match went on for ages and someone, I think someone finally submitted someone and I've jumped out of my chair and I've, yelling into the mic, running across the stage, like, yeah. And I run to the other side and I didn't see this gap in the stage because it's just black. And I fall straight to the bloody ground off the stage and everyone busts out laughing. And yeah, it was probably one of the most embarrassing things that ever happened to me in my life, but I didn't care. I jumped straight back up and, uh, you know, the floor <laughs> lost that yeah, we'll, we'll put the footage. Yeah, we'll put yeah. the footage. Was that on the was that before Instagram. or after you said, "Who do you want to win, this motherfucker or this motherfucker?" I think it was round about round about then, and um, then yeah, I <laughs> fell off the stage. But I think I, I reckon <laughs> that was in the first show, and I reckon that made the night. You know, you know, if that didn't happen, then you know, probably Troy probably wouldn't have had a second show. You know, it probably would have. <laughs> it probably, <laughs> probably would have closed down. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Like, oh, who are you going to watch tonight? I, I don't even know who's fighting. Dude. Yeah. I'm going to watch that fucking MC. That's hilarious. Exactly, you know, far out. Yeah, <laughs> he exactly. has no chill. So, um, no, nah, it, was, it, was, it was good. He had to fuck shit up. I continued to scull beers late on into the night, and, um, yeah, it was a it was great success. Mm. Um, so what's, what's, um, what's, what's it like? You know, I've emceed a few things before, but, like, weddings and shit, but. I guess in a an entertainment um, setting, mm. it's obviously a bit hard, right? Absolutely, man. And look, I think the main thing is, if you're gonna ask 
myself to do something, you know, and say be yourself, then I'm going to be myself. I'm not going to try and, you know, obviously when the time comes, I have to be prim and proper. Yeah, no worries. But, you know, I want people to, to laugh and have fun, you know, when I'm up on stage and uh, have a good time. So uh, yeah. it, 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 it was awesome fun. And I did it again for the second time. Um, show went really well. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll continue to, to MC for Troy, you know, until he says that, uh, you know, he's got someone better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it, it's, it's great fun. And, you know, I think if, if anyone out there that's listening gets the chance, you know, you're, you're – you're not very, uh, you're not shame at all of anything, and you're quite out there person. And someone asks you to MC, do it. You know, it's great fun. You know, don't just don't like take your pants off or anything like that. You know, just, you know, keep it simple, PG. Tell, tell, tell yeah, keep, keep it simple. Keep your pants on. Tranny joke. Exactly right. Yeah, and, and I reckon that's a great lesson to uh, to leave this on. Yeah, absolutely. We could all. Um, we use a tranny joke in our life. Yeah. The thing I was laughing about was when you said, I swear like a dirty pirate. Yeah. All I could think in my head was like, Arr, fuck. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Choke him fucking out. Stick <laughs> <laughs> my parrot up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then I got my... Yeah, I got my parrot on my corner. He's like, Choke him fucking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dead That's dead, the third show. Far out. He'd be like, I'd be like that fellow who um, introduces SpongeBob, you know, who lives in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably something um, people who are listening to the workshop will think of a, a little tagline for you to um, get the crowd hyped up to. Yeah, you know? yeah, Bruce, yeah. Bruce Buffer's got, uh, I don't know what Bruce Buffer's got. Uh, uh, Michael Buffer's got, let's get, um, ready, let's to get ready to rumble. Oh, Bruce Buffer's got, it's time. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what. Um, an, an Asian MC could probably do. Yeah. It's Ram. Yeah. It's <laughs> time to Ramen, baby. Boom. All right. Well, we'll workshop that idea. And mm. um, I think next time we're um, back to our favorite topic, which is food, glorious food. Yes, yes, yes. Indeed. That's uh, something I look forward to. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. You know, I live uh, my life one day at a time. But uh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> and um, yeah, we won't have such yeah, a big yeah, gap between sure. the next one. And then on a um, on a short note as well, it's still still about four or five months away. But Tom and I are doing um, Everest Base Camp, so I reckon we should try and do a um, do one from Nepal while we still got good reception. Yeah. Um, so um, the three of us tune in and do another we'll one from a bit of altitude. 